Hey guys, welcome to Big Church Online. We are so excited that you've joined us today. If you're looking for any sermons or words of encouragement, you've come to the right place. While you're here, please subscribe, like, comment, share. That way you can stay up to date and help others find it as well. Now, let's get this week's sermon in progress. Let's look back a little bit. How many of y'all enjoyed this David series? Come on. It's been really good for me. I knew the stories, but I've been hearing them again and been revitalized by what God is doing. But here was David. He was anointed king. You remember that. And he defeated Goliath. I mean, the little kid went up against the giant and killed him. And he was captain over many armies. And listen, he won a lot of battles. And all of a sudden, he started getting a lot of accolades, and he was becoming famous. He was becoming the man, as she said last week. But just about that time, King Saul, who was still the king, as David's riding into town, everybody's talking how good he is. Saul's killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. And all of a sudden, Saul, the current king, gets mad. He gets very jealous, and he's like, oh my gosh, i got to get rid of this dude. What have I created here? I brought him into the palace, and now I've got to get rid of this guy before he gets rid of me. He hated him, so he tried to kill him many times, and finally David ran. So here's where he ended up in 1 Samuel 22. It says, David therefore departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Say cave. cave. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. The title of my message this morning is, Refresh My Mind. Ooh, come on. How many got, it? How many, how many got some mind trouble out here going on? Y'all, everybody get your hands up. You need to... But what happened is David found himself in a place where instead of being the king in a palace, he was hiding in a cave. Remember, you got to remember something about David. He had favor with God. The Bible also says he's a, God, he's a man after God's own heart. And he won many battles in the physical. But now what was getting ready to happen, he was going to have to face a very different giant. The giant of loneliness. Come on. And the giant of our mind right here. Here we see David being very human in Psalms 42. He says this, Oh God, my rock, I cry. David was crying. Wait, why have you forgotten me? Why must I wander around in my grief and oppressed by my enemies? Their taunts break my bones. Their scoffs, where is that God of yours? Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I'm going to put my trust in God, and I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. In that cave, David had to battle anger. He had to battle, I'm the king. You know what I need to do? I need to sneak in the palace, and I need to cut Saul's head off. Come on. That's the, that's the natural progression of where we go to, right? I'm very angry because I'm the king. He also had to fight disappointment. You know what? He literally went from zero, from hero to zero. Y'all know that one? Go to hero to... Come on, y'all. Y'all seen Hercules before? You're looking at... No, I'm kidding. Hunk, maybe, but I don't know about that. A hunk. But he went from hero to zero in just a matter of time. He also had to face the battle of abandonment. He was separated. It says his friends and family came, but there was a time and a season where David was in this cave all by himself. 
He, had to, he was separated from his family, and he lost his best friend, Jonathan, which was Saul's son. The also one he had to fight was loneliness. He was all alone for a season. Listen, I read in an article, it said this. It says the divorce rate in couples with 30 plus marriages is skyrocketing right now, huh? 30 years, sorry. 30 plus year marriages is skyrocketing. And what it's done, it's leaving men, it's leaving women in their 50s, 60s, and 70s alone for the first time in their lives. And what they're doing, they're facing regret. They're facing life and going, looking, looking back at life and saying, you know what, I, I was so busy with the kids and I was so busy with my career and I was so busy with goals that I didn't take the time to cultivate the relationship with my significant other. They're sitting there in homes all by themselves facing regret. And listen, now the kids are gone and the kids are busy. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They don't come around as often as, as they used to. And, and, and they're facing a whole time of just being by themselves. And listen, since COVID came around, ugh, isolation is running rampant right now. Listen, in the name of Jesus, right now, I speak against isolation right now. Somebody said, hey, you know they're going to try to shut us down again. Let me tell you something. They ain't shutting us down here again no more. I speak against isolation. But research suggests that loneliness can increase stress. It can take a toll on your mental health. It'll heighten the depression and anxiety. It lowers your self-esteem. It also can cause sleep problems. I would think you'd want to sleep all the time, but it says it actually affects your sleep in the exact opposite. You can't sleep. Can I just tell you something this morning? There are lonely people all around you every day. You might be sitting in a room right now with all these people that there's someone that feels lonely even in a crowded room. And you can feel lonely even if you have a lot of people around you because loneliness is, is about the quality of your connections. It's not just having people around you, it's how you connect with the people around you. Come on, let me tell you something. You need to find some good connections in your life. You need to find that one or two or three or four or five people that you know you can go to and you can connect with them. You know what else you need to do? You need to take a step out of faith. That, just, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Sometimes you just got to step out of your comfort zone. Sometimes you got to take a leap into something else that you're not sure of to get the connections that you need. The Bible also says you got to be friendly. Come on, some of y'all ain't got no friends because you ain't friendly. <laughs> ain't nobody want to be around you. Sorry. I had to throw that one in. Come on, you've been around grumpy, grumpy George. Or I, if there's George, I am, I, I'm not going to. But you've been around that kind of guy right there or that kind of person that, you know, I don't have any friends. Well, you walk around, you got your cloud rolling all over you like Schleprock, and, and y'all don't even know who I'm talking about in here. I'm going to go on. I'm telling my age. But we've got to make good connections. And listen, as a church and as a people, we need to be quick to embrace others today, others, and extend a healthy ear and mouth to them. But we should do the ears first. My lovely wife always says, God gave you two ears and one mouth. 
We try to take advantage of the mouth over the ears all of the time. But let, we need to reach out and be an extended friend to, to someone out there that needs us. We need to be out there for each other and pull someone who's in a cave out of that cave. Why? Because in the cave is where your mind can be your worst enemy. You heard the old sayings that says, I'm losing my mind. And I know I'm in trouble when my wife says, I'm losing my ever-loving mind. But you said, we've, we've always heard mind over matter. And I got half a mind. And I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. I tell somebody one time, don't give me a piece because you ain't got none to spare. <laughs> but there is a battle for your mind. And the mind is a major giant in our life. And a lot of times it's the hardest one to overcome because why? Because the mind is the processor and the storehouse of our beliefs and all of our ideas. Listen to this. It's estimated you have 48 thoughts per minute. 50 to 70,000 per day. Pastor Mitty always asks me, well, what are you thinking? I'll say nothing. I'm thinking something, but I just can't articulate what I'm thinking in that moment. But our minds are always constantly going and going and going. But here's the thing. 98% of those thoughts are the same ones. That's crazy. We are creatures of habit. Even in our thoughts, we still think the same way. We still go the same direction. But here's the one that really got me. 80% of those thoughts are negative. Wow, as Bubba would say. Negative thoughts are draining. Thoughts like, I'm never going to, or I should have, or I shouldn't have, or I can't do this, leads to complaining and leads to having a self-pity party. Come on. How many like to sit around and have a pity party? Usually it's you, and usually pull someone else into it too, right? But most of the time they're together when you have a pity party. This was very interesting. Thoughts that diminish our worth, listen, somebody needs to hear this, are proven medically to deplete your body by producing chemicals that weaken us physically. So, so goes your mind, so goes your physical body. Before too long, you're so drained and you're so beat down that all of a sudden you're starting to feel pains you didn't feel before. You're starting to feel Things in your body, my knees hurt. Well, it could be because your mind needs to be corrected. No wonder we are exhausted at the end of the day. Why do we think the way that we think? But you know why? Because we live in a fallen world. Second Corinthians says this. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Your minds can be led astray, even if you're the best Christian, even if you're the best follower. Your mind, if you don't pay attention to it, can lead you somewhere besides Christ. Look what he did to, to Eve. He said, did God really say you couldn't eat of any of the trees in the yard, in the garden? Yard. Did he really say that? What he did, he started creating doubt. And all of a sudden, he created uncertainty, too. He started making her bad, bad thoughts towards God. Why was God doing this? Was God holding out on her or for some reason? All of a sudden, her mind started spinning. And what he did, too, is he got her to question the truth. 
you're not really gonna die if you eat this fruit. He had her in a place where she was so confused. And listen, if he can't control us, he's gonna distract us. He's gonna distract us by what we see, what we hear, what music we listen to, what words come out of our mouth and the environment around us. And listen, he also uses what we say against us. Pastor Mindy, she hadn't done it in a while, but she used to grab Cade's hands behind his back and she'd put it, she said, you have a right to remain silent. And anything you say, he would just love it. His daddy got that a couple of times for real. <laughs> but he would love that. You got to be careful what comes out of your mouth. Because the enemy can use it against you. Can I tell you something? The enemy cannot read your mind. But he can read your words. So whatever you declare out of your mouth, he can hear those things. And he can go back and use them against you. Be careful what comes out because it can be used against you. Proverbs 18.21 says this. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who, love to, uh, those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That's another whole message right there. So whatever your words you're speaking out of your mouth, you're going to eat the consequences of that. So what you have to do, sometimes you start speaking all the negative, you're going to have to take on the consequences of those negative things. But sometimes, just like David did, sometimes you have to just encourage yourself in the Lord. David had to encourage himself. He had to tell himself in that same Psalms that my hope is not in this cave. My hope is not for the army to come and help me out. My hope is in God. Because if nobody, show, come on, if nobody shows up to help me, if my friends let me down, if my family lets me down, I'm hoping in God. Come on, I'm preaching better than y'all are clapping. My hope is in God. So many times the first thing we do is we look at the circumstances around us. We look at the situations around us. And that's what we start our minds start to go in that direction, right? God says, I want you to change your mind. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm going to back up. Because if you don't, thoughts can keep you in captivity. They keep you in captivity by using shame, regret. They keep us stuck in the past. We keep thinking back, coulda, woulda, shoulda, what I did back then. It keeps you in that mentality. It keeps you from trying new things and moving forward. But let me tell you something. It's not about what you used to do. It's about what you're doing now. I used to, no. I don't care what you used to do. What are you doing now? Why well, I, 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 no. What are you doing now to change the situation? Again, so many times we live back there and God said, man, you are missing out on right here and you're missing out on there. We have to change our way of thinking. Romans 12, 2, if you've been in church long enough, you should be able to quote this one. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transform means this. It means to change the nature or condition of your current state. Not what you used to be, but who you are now and what you're going to be. It means to convert. Listen, many of us have changed our directions, but we haven't changed our minds. We've changed the direction that we're moving in, but yet our mind is still... 
Come on, our mind is still going in other five million different directions. We have done this, that. The renewing of our minds. I'm going to slow down. We have to renew our minds each day. And what do you do? What's an example of that? When, you, when we start thinking of our feelings usually get us in, in trouble, right? And I've said that many times. They take control of us. And what happens when we live by our feelings? We're all over the place. But renewing means the act of making new. You got to start confessing the truth over your feelings. The truth over your feelings. You need to start fighting lies with the truth. When the enemy tells you this is true, you need to say the word says, I am an overcomer. I am a child of the most high God. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus because he's going to tell you who you used to be all the time. And renewing is going to God sooner with your thoughts and your troubles rather than later. How many have let it go all day or all week and you didn't address it with God? And it just builds and builds and builds and builds. And God says, if you would have just brought that to me on Tuesday, you, would, you wouldn't have had a bad week. When you go to him right away, it makes the day easier. It makes Gene Snyder easier. It makes everything you're going in your life easier. But when you wait to the day, end of the day, it's a mess. It's harder. Your mind is flooded with all of the lies of the enemy. That's why we must take our thoughts captive. Second Corinthians says this. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts. We capture a rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Maybe you went to the doctor just for a checkup. And he said, okay, oh, you need to get a few tests run. You know, and all of a sudden, the first thing that goes into your mind is what? I'm dying. I'm being honest. I mean, the first thing we start thinking about is, oh my gosh, okay, I got, I got six months to live. And no, no, I just said we just need to get a couple of tests run. But our thoughts usually run rampant with fear and worry. And all of a sudden we make something that typically is nothing into something that's huge. But listen, if you capture them before they begin that downward spiral, you can gain control of them. If you can recognize a negative thought, how I many... Can, how many of y'all recognize those negative thoughts when they start coming in? Everybody does. You start, oh man, they're coming in. There's been times in my life I've just had to go, I'd be like smacking myself. I, I ain't thinking that way. I don't, oh, don't want to think that way. Get off. But an example of capture is this. I got a question report from the doctor. I, but I'm going to trust God that he's in control over this. Because you know what? My God is the great physician. He knows more than this doctor can tell. And I refuse to let this report be something that takes over my mind and controls my weeks, my days, my hours. I'm not going to let it do it. The Bible says, so let me ask you a question. What kind of mind should we have? 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 12 says, For there is first a willing mind. And in another translation, it says a ready mind. What willing and ready is, is quick to react quick to respond, and willing to do what God says to do. So many times we, God is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is like a transmitter in our minds and our ears, and he's telling us what to do and how to do it and where to go and how to get And we turn it down because we don't want to hear that because it's not the direction that we want to go. you got to have a willing and a ready mind to do what God says to do now. So many times we put, I, I'm, I'm preaching to me. 
So many times I put things off and I say, I'll do it later. I'll do it. You know, I, I don't do well taking medicine. She said, are you still taking your medicine? Yeah, I did it last week sometime. But there are so many times we just put things off to the plate. And God says, if you'll just say yes now, oh, I can, I can take care of a lot of your problems. It says to have a ready mind. It also means to be available to God, prepared to do something. Colossians 3, 2 says this, set your mind, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the world. That is when it gets us all. The first thing we start doing, our mindset is a fixed mental attitude. It means we fixed our mind on something. Instead of our mind getting fixed on what's around us, what's around us, what the circumstance is, or, or how life has been this way and that way, we need to start setting our minds on things that are above. It says, think on those things that are lovely and good and, and holy. All of those things are what we need to be thinking about. We need to start looking up instead of looking around all the time. Come on, we're always looking around. We're always trying to get opinions and advice from everyone else. And sometimes we just need to look up and say, God, what do you think about this? Because I want my mind to be ready and available. Thank you, honey, for slowing me down. The good news is the word says this. We have the mind of Christ. He ain't talking about the preacher. He's talking about a child of the living God. You have the mind of Christ. That means you have the ability to think like Christ. I know that we have a hard time thinking that, and, and, but we have the ability to do that. The Bible also says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Listen, it's going to guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We got to refresh, revive, and renew our minds each day. The good news is this, even though David was unseen, right? He was in a cave. God saw him, just like he saw you this morning that walked up here. He sees you where you're at. And I'm not talking about big church. I'm not talking about your presence. He sees you right where you're at in whatever situation you're in. He sees you in that place. He sees you in your bedroom when you're crying and you think no one else cares. He sees you at the... In the car, when you think that, you're just bawling your eyes out. And he sees you. He's right there with you during those times. In the cave, some of the thing for David in the cave was the worst of times. He was in a cave. He'd, he'd hit rock bottom. He had no money. He had no food. He had no friends. He had no weapons. He had nothing. But it became the best of times because the only thing that he had to fall back on was his relationship with God. It was God and David in that cave and nothing else. When you got God, you don't need nothing else. Come on. Your money's going to let you down. Popularity is going to let you down. The things that you've built up, your career is going to let you down. But when you got God, he'll never let you down. So what do we do in those cave times? In the cave, David, he turned loose of his own strength. He finally figured it out. I'm not enough. I can't do this anymore. Even though I've slayed thousands and thousands of men, I still can't do it in my own strength. He turned loose of his own ideas and of his own plans. He turned loose of his own way of thinking and his wisdom. What he did is he abandoned himself from his will to God's will. 
In the cave is where David quit and God took over. Come on, he'd been fighting these battles. God had been with him. But here was the whole gist of it. He said, God says, I'm going to try to take you farther. David ended up being the most successful king uh, uh, in Israel. But he said, I got to get you to a place where right now it's just me and you. And you got to abandon all your thoughts and what you want. And listen, this is the place in our lives where we quit trying to make our own plans come to pass. Y'all still trying to figure that one out? Me too. We surrender and we let God bring his plans to pass. Jeremiah 29, 11, if you ain't got it tattooed on you, you can. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Can I just tell you something right now? God is not done with you. Philippians says, I am certain that God, who began a good work in you, will continue. You all... Sometimes you find, I hear this, these all, I hear these same verses all the time. You need to hear them every single day. You need to put them on a post-it note. You need to know that if God starts something, he's going to finish it. <sighs> but here's the good thing about David. He repented. Not only did he repent, he humbled himself and said, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to be the king. It's just me and you. What do you want me to do now? He was able to be taught and corrected. Woo! That's a hard one, isn't it? Taught and corrected. But here's the thing. If you'll turn around, God can make your mistake into a message. If you repent and humble yourself, he can take that thing that you thought could never be used and he can use it for his glory. Let me tell you a few things. Here's five things. I think it's five. Here are a few things that you can do when you're going through these cave times. Number one, Confess it to God. And be honest. Come on, I'm reading a devotional right now called Aha. And one of the things is honesty. And it talks about you got to be honest to God, even though, oh, well, God already sees it. No, there's a time when God wants to hear you confess it. He wants to hear you talk about it. He wants to know that you're acknowledging because David had to acknowledge that he needed God in all of these things. He knows what you're thinking, but he wants to hear it from you. Number two, ask for forgiveness, for God's forgiveness. When you've gotten out of focus and out of whack out of life, and you've taken your eyes off of him, simply say, God, forgive me. I was going good, but I'm not now. Will you please forgive me? And number three, ask God for his help. Ask him for the ability to let go of all of the anger that you've been feeling, all of the self-pity that you've been feeling, because you can't get rid of it in your own strength. Come on. When he's with us, we can do all things. But when we try to do it ourselves, no, it doesn't work out very good. Number four, trust God day by day, even when it doesn't look like it's going to come to fruition. It doesn't look like that plan's going to happen. Trust God. So many times we ask for God for strength for tomorrow, but he said, will you trust me for strength for today? And number five, here's the big one. Don't quit. Don't quit. No matter how afraid you are, no matter how anxious you are or about tomorrow or depressed or what you're going through, or hopeless, don't quit. 
God will never, ever give up on you. The lies in your mind that are telling you this is never going to end, the lie of loneliness that tells you that you're all alone in your struggle are lies from the pit of hell. They're lies from the enemy. He's here for you this morning. You're not alone in what you're going through. Pastor, I don't know that I feel like he's with me. He's with you. Sometimes you don't always feel that falling down presence of God. It's that sweet feeling that you get from God sometimes. Don't believe those lies. If you would, stand with me, please. I'm going to ask you all, would, if you would, to bow your heads and close your eyes. And we forget about the people that are going to be watching this later. I'm going to ask you to open up your heart into this part right now if you're going to be watching later on YouTube. Maybe you need salvation this morning and, and you've never committed your life to Jesus and you say, oh, I've heard that all, all, all the time, every Sunday that I come. But, you know, it's the final, it's the step in that walk with God is to get your life and heart right with Jesus. So I'm looking around, it's dark and everybody's got their eyes down. If you've never made that commitment to Jesus, will you slip up your hand? Come on, I see those hands. I see those hands. This morning, it may sound simple, and it's kind of simple, but then it, can, then it takes walking it out into this world that makes it the hard part. This morning, if you would, just kind of pray your own prayer, but I'm going to say, Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you. Thank you. Thank you so much for dying on that cross and being the penalty for my sins. Will you please forgive me of my sins? I've made many, many mistakes. Many things have gone wrong in my life. Will you please forgive me? Will you make me new? take control where I've always tried to have control and God when I fall will you be there to pick me up and dust me off and push me on my way come on if you pray that prayer in any way shape or form right now if you've raised your hands and you've prayed that and believe we would love to pray with you. the prayer team is going to be up on the left and the right this morning, you may be facing the giant of your mind. This morning, you may be facing loneliness, and you know that you're not alone. All of those cards that got put around that cross last week got prayed over by the staff on Monday. And I know there's some people in here that laid, this, laid that down and said, I'm not facing that giant anymore. And maybe that giant, as soon as you hit the parking lot, started talking to you again. So as we get ready to sing this song and end this service, I speak against the giant of our mind that keeps coming, speaking lies into us. I speak against the giant of loneliness and feel like you're all alone because you're not. He's with you. This morning, 
If you need prayer for anything, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, come forward. We will pray with you. Thank you for joining us today. If you're looking for more information or resources, you can visit mybigchurch.com or follow us on social media at mybigchurch. We love you guys. See you soon. Thank you.